Can't you believe it? We are back with the Sioux City Journal Preps podcast here on SiouxCityJournal.com. Thank you so much for waiting along for us to come back here. We've had a busy ending to the winter season, and we can't wait to recap it all for you here coming up in a couple podcasts. We're going to do basketball here, wrestling in a separate podcast, and then we'll, of course, look forward as it's looking somewhat foggy right now with the coronavirus outbreak, but we'll We'll deal with that at another time. But in the meantime, welcome in. My name is Zach James. I am the assistant sports editor for the Sioux City Journal. And alongside with me, as always, six feet away. He's more than six feet away, actually. Sports editor Justin Ress as we're practicing social distancing in uh, as we're recording these episodes. Coming up in this episode, we'll recap the basketball seasons. We'll go over the Iowa-Nebraska seasons and how they fared. And we'll take a peek at the South Dakota seasons as the Dakota Valley boys have made it to the state tournament in Rapid City whenever that happens, whenever that resumes. But Justin, let's jump into it here. Let's start off on the Iowa side with the Iowa boys state championships. And we had four teams qualify for the state tournament last week. Those four being in Class 1A, Remden St. Mary's, in Class 2A, Borden Hall and West Sioux. And in Class 3A, Sergeant Bluff-Luton, Remsen St. Mary's and West Sioux didn't fare as well as the Comets and the Warriors did. The Comets won the Class 2A championship in pretty impressive fashion, uh, negating the loss last year to North Lynn. They got their revenge on the Lynx, beating the Lynx in the Class 2A championship game. And then SBL coming really, really close in beating the Norwalk Warriors. Uh, but they fell by two points and are the state runner-up with this sports tournament. Do you want to start with Borden Hall? Do you want to start with SBL? What do you want to talk about first in terms of the IHSA boys tournament? Welcome in, by the way. Um, first off, I want to say that uh, this podcast is being recorded at 11.05 at night because I just lost the uh, biggest comeback in UNO history, maybe, tonight against my mom in a UNO game that lasted basically an hour and 45 minutes so maybe maybe you need mom. to do a gamer on that because we don't have much to do right now but I, I i was i was up about three something to 33 and i lost because mm. you play the game to 500 so right. you know so it took a while so there you go for all you know putting that out there because uno good game to play in social isolation yes, uh, yes. with others so but um uh, yeah, looking at the Sergeant Bluff, uh, Sergeant Bluff, you know, quite the run they had. You know, they played the tough schedule, and then they figured something out at the end of the season, made it all the way to the title game, and the title game felt like a microcosm of their season. You know, they are right there with it, it seemed, for most of the way, right there at halftime. The, se- the game started to get away from them there in that third quarter, um, kind of like the season seemed to be getting away from them, uh, you know, at one point, and then – the Warriors make a torrid comeback just like they did late in the season, late run comeback and fall just short of the title. Just like, you know, just fall short of the title right here too. So it's kind of seemed like a microcosm of the season to show how they kind of came back. Cause you know, when you have uh Bowen Bjorn and, and, and such, um, it's hard to come back from seven, yeah. eight, nine points down and the Warriors did it and they got it within two and had a chance there and just, just falls a bit short and, and, and another runner up finish and what this team has done over the past four or five years 
at the state tournament has actually been pretty impressive considering they're starting to build a tradition of not only they make it to state, they're starting to make deep runs at the state tournament. So, yes, it's a loss, but it's something where they're starting to build some tradition there. And now the next step is that state title. They, they fell just a bit short, and it's it's really tough to gain, contain uh, uh, Mr. Bourne. But Derek Fitzgerald did a good job of it. Yes, he had well, 23 points, but that's well below his – I think 22, his, 4, and 5, I think. Yeah, and that's well below his average. So good job by Derek Fitzgerald, but – Norwalk just found a way to hold on for that one. So, so Sergeant Bluff comes a little short. Yeah, I was going to talk a lot about Fitzgerald's defense, and I think it was more than good. I think it was tremendous. I thought outside of all the defensive performances I've seen in the last two weeks, and we'll talk about Keelan Gross' defense here in a little bit, but in terms of individual defense defensive performances – I got to give it to Fitzgerald for the best in the last two weeks. The way he stayed on Bourne, the way he didn't let Bourne really go off in the first 25 minutes of the game, I thought kind of it definitely did keep the Warriors in in the game. And Fitzgerald just did a really nice job of staying within an arm's length of Bourne, not letting him get into a rhythm. Because in the first half, my my statue is out there. I think Bourne was like two for 11 or something like that from a four in the first half. So Bourne couldn't really get into a rhythm in that first half. And granted, a lot of Norwalk's kids stepped up and got the job done in Bourne's, with Bourne not getting his 37-point average or whatever, whatever it is. And Fitzgerald just did a great job. Great job. And his last foul, and, and I mentioned this in the game or two, that fifth foul, he tried to draw a charge right in front of the SBL bench and early in the fourth quarter, midway through the fourth quarter, trying to give Bourne that, trying to give Tyler Johnson that foul as Tyler Johnson was coming up the lane for Norwalk and just tried to draw that charge. And I thought it was a charge. And, and I know the officials have a tough job at the state tournament and throughout the entire season as well, but that's a charge. You got to call that a charge. Fitzgerald used his chest to guard Johnson. He didn't use his hands. His hands were wide, were spread open wide, so he didn't use his hands to foul. He had the right footwork to kind of guide Johnson over to the sideline. Fitzgerald did everything right. And, yeah, that might be a 50-50 call, but you got to call that a charge. I mean, it wasn't but against did, But here, here's, my, here's my thing. I'm starting to see kids now tip early before any contact is made. Did that happen at all? No, and you're right. Okay. I did see some flops this week. I, you're right. I, I saw, did see some saw, flops this week, but that I wasn't saw a flop. one team from the area that was mad about a charge call. It wasn't called, but there was no contact made because the guy started falling early. And I'm like, well, that's not a charge. It's a flop. You got to wait till there's actual contact. Right. And so that, 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 that's what I'm wondering. That's starting to become a thing now. It is starting to become yeah. a thing. And, and with no, NBA players doing it and college players doing it too, yep. for, for that matter, they're seeing them do it and they're trying to emulate it. But I thought, I thought Fitzgerald didn't flop on that play. Um, he played defense as correctly as you can on that play. And, and just th- that break just didn't go for the Warriors. Now, did that play make or break it? Maybe not because Jake Lehman did step up late. Jacob Bimming did have that late layup with less than five seconds to go. Maybe if SBL had an extra timeout, that might have changed things just a little bit. 
because Norwalk wasn't really shooting all that well from the line. But you're right. That game is a microcosm of their season. And give the Warriors credit for getting to the state championship game. No, no question that their toughness, their resiliency, their cohesion, their confidence. Their ability all got to change them their there. whole defensive scheme. Yes, yes. That all got them there. But, and yes, they did have a really tough schedule. I think the game that, I don't want to say made it or broke it for the Warriors, but the one that stands out to me the most in, in East Coach, Ross Vanderloo, and I talked a little bit about this on Tuesday night as we were talking about off-city stuff. That home loss for SVL to East, I think just kind of turned around their season. Not in, not in the best way. Yeah, they had a five-game losing streak. Yeah, they went on a four-and-five run um, during that stretch and just coming out of Christmas. But for them, for the Warriors to kind of realize that things needed to change, that schematics needed to change. Like you said, making defensive adjustments, they certainly did that because the offense wasn't, wasn't what was hurting them. Maybe in the Denison game a little bit, but not, not as a whole. For them to make the defensive adjustments that they made, not only in the state tournament, but throughout the weeks leading up to it, especially in the district and sub-state, credit to Adam Vaderschaft, his staff, and the kids. They could have just packed it in. They could have said, you know what, we're not going to make anything out of this. Let's just play it by ear and let's see and let's get ready for track or whatever, if there's spring or whatever, but they didn't do that. All Sergeant Bluff did was keep their heads down. They were resilient. They were focused. And maybe that tough schedule that we've been talking about absolutely did help. And it, and it showed with their state runner-up finish in class 3A with even with their 16 and 11 record and people may still poo poo that, but I think it, I'll be honest. I think it's more of their shift to the defensive end and then letting Nick Mueller lose late in the season. I think those are the two things that kind of led to the state tournament run because if they don't switch up that defense, things change that whole discussion of how much defense they did change up. It changed it up a lot. And Nick Mueller went on a very good late season run. I think those two nice were the biggest tournament. factors. Yeah, so I think, I think those were the two biggest factors for Sergeant Bluff. The way they changed their defensive scheme late in the season and Nick Mueller getting let loose. Yeah, yeah. And, and Mueller shot well, too. I think he made a couple threes in the state yep. title game. I think he made like three or four in the state quarterfinal against Pella. And that Pella game was impressive, too, because Pella plays him with a little Hawkeye, and the little Hawkeye is not an easy conference to go through. And for them to kind of shut down a team like like Pella that they did, they were averaging yeah. 70 points a game and held them to under 50. I think that speaks to SPL's defense and just their length and their speed too. Yeah, it really does. And the fact that they're able to get some points against them and play them better than what Xavier Foster's team did, who Pella beat three times. Um, I, it, it's very telling what the Sergeant Bluff team did. In, in the postseason with what they changed up. Yep, yep. And, and going forward with SBL, yes, they lose an absolute lot with Daniel Wright, um, with uh, Fitzgerald and a couple other seniors there. But Layman's coming back, and Layman has to step up. Layman, ha- Layman got in foul trouble a lot in the state tournament. 
I thought a couple fouls didn't go his way. I thought he did commit a couple dumb fouls last week, but he's got to be a smarter player. He's got to be a more determined player, and if he does that, I think Sergeant Bluff. I think Sergeant Bluff can get back to definitely a district final, maybe even a sub-state final, but it all falls on Layman's shoulders. There's a lot on Layman, actually a lot on Mueller. Um, Layman needs to take that stuff. He's he's had D1 looks, D2 offers, I believe, and and it's time for him to play like that D2 mm-hmm. player. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. And that's not saying he didn't play well. It's just saying those are the expectations that are on you. Paul Bruns got those same looks. Uh-huh. Paul Bruns is doing. He's got a D1 offer now. I mean, there's just there's just kind of that expectation. So yeah, yeah, and and I'm sure he will notice those expectations and and evolve his game over the summer because we might not have much else to do in the summer, quite frankly. Uh, let's move on to a team that did win a state title in Class 2A, the Borden Hole Comets. Uh, like I said in the intro, they beat uh, North Lynn, who the same two teams met in the 2019 state championship game. North Lynn won that game. But for Borden Hole, they kind of rallied through and beat the Lynx in the fashion that they did. I think that speaks a lot to A, Bill Francis, and B, the history of the Comets program as a whole and its team specifically. All Bill Francis does is win. He develops his players. He develops his defense. I mean, that defense is the reason they won a state title because they've played tough defense all season. Mm -hmm. And this year, the title game was no exception against the Northland team that people didn't know how anyone was going to slow down and and Boyden Hall slowed them down. I mean, they played a physical style that they've always played under Bill Francis. And once again, it worked, and Northland couldn't adjust to it. And, and Boyden Hall has so many weapons out there, um, which is crazy to think that they graduated some uh, one of their best weapons from last year. And this offense was maybe as good, if not better, than last year with the emergence of Tanner Teeslaw. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for one, who's a sophomore who's getting major looks from from D1 universities, uh, just to give you, just to give people out there what teams are looking at him, Iowa. Iowa's looking at him as a sophomore already. So you have Iowa looking at him. USD. Um, USD's been, uh, USD, SDSU have been after him. USD was at, looking at a lot of people there. But they graduate Bo DeYoung, and he was kind of the thing that made them tick last year. Keaton Moser had a pretty good year too, but I thought he had about the same year, a little better year, but he he was consistent, which he was last year. He was a pretty good cog last year. Don't get me wrong. Yep. Yep. Um, but you know, Tanner Teeslaw averaged um, eight point nine points per game last year. He had a good season last year. Seventeen point two percent, fifty three percent from the field, forty five percent from three on fifty three pointers, eighty two percent from the line on eighty four free throws, one hundred twenty eight rebounds, sixty one assists, thirty seven steals. So. Tanner Teeslaw went from being a good freshman to a great sophomore. Yes. And then Marcus Kelderman is another one. Kelderman went from barely, from, from barely scoring at all last year to scoring at 11 points per game. Andrew Frick, a lot of stuff was looked at his offense. He provided some – or his defense, I'm sorry, his lockdown defense. He also averaged 10 a game after averaging 5.8 last year. This, this offense, you know, they played great defense last year. They're – Offense was going to make sure that their defense was, was picked up this year a little more. Their offense was good last year. Don't get me wrong, Boyd and all, but this year, you know, 
Tanner Keeslaw, Marcus Kelderman, Andrew Freck stepping up next to Keaton Mosier was huge. Because I figured mm-hmm. Keaton Mosier would have another good year, but those three are the key factors right there. Spe- Spencer Teeslaw had another good year too, by the way. Spencer Teeslaw was good, um, but you know it, it was going to be what they could have for the number one, number two around Mosier. And I thought Mosier would be the number one, and Tanner Teeslaw just had such a good year that you know. And those two, those four, are all those five: Teeslaw, Teeslaw, Mosier, Kelderman, and Frick. Uh, uh, go in there for your taxes uh, next time. Um, uh, <laughs> and that, but uh, those, those uh, actually, I, I'm pretty sure the Teeslaws are. are part of a trunking company in in Sioux Center. I'm not 100% sure on that, but don't quote me on that. I see the I see the trucks that say T-Slaw on them, so, you know. Um but uh you know, those three all stepping up. We knew Frick was going to be good defensively this year. Uh, he, he, and he, he, was he touched on it. He was tremendous. But for him to for them to have four and double figures with Andrew Frick being one of them, T-Slaw and Kettleman taking those big steps up. This team I mean, we knew they were going to be good. It's a question of how good, and their state title good because Bill Francis really got them to develop. He really got them committed. And, you know, once again, this team, it was good to see Keaton Moser come home with the state title with the injuries he's out through football season. So, yes. so yeah, uh, this is a team, too. I believe Kelderman's a senior. Yeah, Kelderman's a senior. Kelderman's a senior. Frick is a senior. Uh, Spencer Teeslaw is a senior, and so is uh, Keaton Moser. So they have Tanner Teeslaw back. But I bet you he finds things to put around Tanner Teeslaw next year, and I bet you it's going to be defensive focused with with some good offense. So let's see what they do next year. But man, Kelderman's a junior. Oh, Kelderman is a junior. So you have Kelderman and Teeslaw back next year. That's a pretty good one-two combo right there. So yeah, this is going to be a very dangerous team next year. I mean, saying that before, but yeah, I, I I really like this team next year, and the way they played defense this year was was the key to really really disrupt North Lynn, a team that you know was one of the top scoring teams in the state and they, they just couldn't handle the physical style nope. of play. And that's what Boyden Hall wants to do. And that physical style of play really threw Northland off their game, threw everyone off their game. I mean, threw commands off their game, threw Warwick mm-hmm. off their game. No one had an answer for Boyden Hall's defense at the state tournament. And it's funny because after the West Lions sub-state game in Owen City, it's, it's I It's talk- funny because I've been seeing this for 25 years. Well, that's the first time I've gotten to see it up <laughs> no, close and personal. But I, I was talking with Keith Mojo after throw that the West there, Lion yeah. game. And he talked about the physicality, and he kind of compared the physicality to being farm boys. And I'm like, okay, that's nice. You know, <laughs> talk, talk about a physical game, West Line and Boyd and Hall. I mean, yeah, that was an, that's, that's, 11 <laughs> charges in that game. Yeah. <laughs> there that's, were 11 charges in that yeah. game. Yeah, that was the most physical game I had seen all year um, in the entire year, which was a very competitive game. And kudos to West Line for keep, trying to keep up. With Boyd and Hole, but but when Mojo was talking about the physicality and the foreign boys, I'm like, yeah, that's true. The Northwest side, I can see that physicality, but I wasn't sure what the Eastern Iowa side was going to bring because Northland, not necessarily a farm town. Wilbur Granger is a little bit. Comanche's not, um, although they do have an elevator. But um, I, so I thought that maybe Mojo had a point there that that small town farm kid kind of mentality kind of would give them an advantage and it absolutely did and and just seeing them play defense the way they did playing good physical defense without really fouling that was a joy to see and like you said Bill Francis has been teaching several 
avoiding whole kids to te- to play defense like that for many many years, and he this is another group and co- kudos to the comments for playing lockdown defense. And you're right, the offense was on point too, especially in that Comanche game. But I think in the Northland game for that matter. But I think you're right. I think defense, defense, defense is the what's the name of the game for the Comets this year. Yep, that's what it's going to be next year under Francis, too. That's what it was last year under Francis. That's what it's been, like I said, I've seen this game I was going to say, time. since you were, hey, since you were it Central Lions. Yeah, if it ain't broke. How many state titles? Four now? If it ain't broke, don't see. fix it. <laughs> and if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Let me see if I can yep. look it up real quick here. Good radio here. Uh... <laughs> I, think it, I think it was the fourth title is what it was this year. It so. is. Yep, fourth title. So. Yeah, so like I said, if it ain't broke. 03, 2012, 2013, and now 2020. Yeah. 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 Uh, Francis has done some pretty good stuff there. Yes, he has. Yes, he has. In a very deep field, too. I mean, Comanche was the four seed. And like I talked with Northland co-coach Mike Hilmer about, he voted for it in hole number one. I think he did did that out of common courtesy. And I I completely believe him when when he told me that. But for Northland's coach, who has been around just as long as Francis has, I believe, for him to give Boyd and Hall that distinction of the number one seed, I think Comanche coach Josh Davis voted Boyd and Hall number one, too. I guess I don't know about that, but knowing Davis the way I do, I can see Davis giving Boyd and Hall the number one seed in the seeding meeting. That just shows you the respect Boyd and Hall had in a very deep two-way field. Because really, there were, there were two or three teams that could have won that class to a bracket, unquestionably. Uh, Trainer was very deep throughout the year. North Lynn had no problems during the regular season. Comanche ran through the River Valley Conference. Monticello was a very solid team in the River Valley Conference as well. West Sioux had some athletes. Pella Christian, no. Woodward Granger, I don't think, would have had much of a chance either, but... That 16's deep right there. We were talking about and in December that West Sioux had a chance, and they lost the first-round game. To North Lynn. And if you look at it, Trainer was ranked number two in the first poll of the season. North Lynn, number three. Comanche, number four. West Sioux, number five. Boyden Hall was the second team receiving votes in the poll. My goodness. Yep. Well, that goes to show you that polls don't really matter. And the poll, the first poll that Boyden Hall was ranked in – that's the how they fared. If I navigated my prep poll better here, um, Boyden Hall was ranked in the second poll of the season. Okay, they were ranked on on January sixth, is what it was. Okay, so well, yes, yeah, maybe there's one before that that I'm missing, but they're they're ranked. Oh, they're ranked eighth actually in, in a poll before that, so I'm missing that poll somewhere. But so they were ranked in the next poll. They were ranked eighth, so they got in that poll. Um, in the second poll of the season at number eight, still behind Northland, Comanche, and West Sioux. Because West Sioux was number one in that. West Sioux, Trainer, Northland, and Comanche were one through four in that next one. Yeah. So. And I kept voting for Comanche up high because I knew what that program had to offer. Trainer, because they had a couple big wins early, but it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And now I'm not saying that Boyden Hall didn't have a good start, but my goodness, they they really, really turned it on as of late. 
Let's move on now to, well, let's stay in the boys' side and just give Remsen and West Sue a little bit of love here. Um, Remsen just had a couple bad breaks in their first round game um, to West Fork. West Fork is a very respectable team. And to show you how deep the class 1A field was, Wapsie Valley was the 8th seed. They won it all. And they looked absolutely outstanding. That, that was an absolutely that, that was an absolutely long time coming for Marty. Yes. Marty has been there. He's still the coach at Wapsie Valley, yes. right? Yes. That was a long time coming for Marty. Yes. One of his former players is, if I'm thinking right, I'm pretty sure because I did the story on this. One of his former players is Chris Jans. I think you're right, actually. I believe Chris Jans played for Marty. I know Marty knows because Chris Jans is a Wapsie Valley grad, but I believe he played for Marty. I think you're right. So I know there's a connection between the two. I think it's a former player. Yeah. But Marty, so that's how far that well goes. Marty's been there forever. I got to talk to him when I was working in Wave Lakes there in our coverage area. Right. This was a long time coming for a really nice man. Yeah, very, and very – he was very, very humble throughout the week. I, I listened in he, on one of yeah. his pressers, and he was just over the moon at that be, being there. And like you said, this is that was the Warriors' first state championship in Class 1A. And they – Was that their first, well, was that their first ever state tournament? Oh, good question. I, just I don't had, think it was their I, first – I thought – I saw someone tweet it, and that did not seem right. So – but, no, that's their first state title. They go in as an eight seed. They upset a team to get in there in the first place. So, that's so, what's their ninth appearance. 68, ninth 86, appearance. 89, 96, 03, and 04, 10, 13 okay. in this year. Okay, so I was thinking wrong. I misread the tweet then, but as an eight seed to get in, as to get the upset, seed. they had to get in there. And they beat that Lake Mills, huge. the number one seed, right off the bat. Yep. That was the most impressive thing. I was writing my Rems and Westport gamer in the auxiliary room. And I'm like, okay, this game's not going to be anything. I'll, I'll come out. Lake Mills will be up by 15 or 20. And I come out, and and Wapsie Valley was winning by like six or seven at that point. It was early in the fourth. And I'm like, maybe this is a game. So I stood out there right near the hockey, the hockey boards and watched the game and watched that fourth quarter. And I was just so impressed with how composed Marty's team was with their length, with how well they were shooting it, because they did shoot well throughout the week, too, and that does play a factor. And them beating Montezuma, too, was kind of impressive, too. But yeah, it, was all, it was all pretty huge. So shout-out yeah. to Marty on yeah. that one. Yeah, so. very nice job by Wapsie Valley in that little town of Fairbank, Iowa, to bring home their first state championship. I don't think it's their first ever state championship in anything. Don't they have no, a couple no. football titles? I thought. The, I believe they do. I think they have so, a couple football they, titles too. But they've can, had some really good football years and some good volleyball teams. Yeah, yeah, they do have too, a good so, yeah. some good volleyball oh. years too. But just go back to Rems and St. Mary's for a second. Yep. Yeah, yeah, they caught a couple bad breaks against West Fork, and West Fork is a good team, good respectable team too. But kudos to uh, Spencer Shorg and all those guys just to get to the state tournament to fall really close. But that's a credit to the Hawks program for making it back to the state tournament. Yeah, it was a tough, really tough first-round game. I had West Fork ranked number one in my poll for a few weeks this year, actually. So, tough first-round game. Um, just 
West Fort got them on the defensive end. Uh, they struggled to score some points, you know, 53 points uh, on that one last second shot by, by West Fork, who's mm-hmm. been playing a physical style yep. all year. Yep. So, um, so yeah, just, you know, a tight game. You lose in the first round to a team that's, that's been ranked highly up there. She and so is Rems and St. Mary. So, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those deep classes in 1A to, to get it. And I guess really how deep uh, is pretty deep when the eight seed comes and wins it. Yep. So, yeah. yeah so. Yeah, and and maybe the guys, the Remsen guys, will maybe say, "Well, we made it four straight years and didn't make, didn't get anything out of it." And yeah, that is a disappointment. But like you, like we've talked about, it was a deep field, and Remsen yeah, had to play really good, really good throughout the week, and they just couldn't for a full thirty-two minutes. They'll be a good team next year yeah, too. Yes, they're so losing too. Spencer Shore. Yes, they're losing Skylar Walshman. Yes, they're losing Brady Holman. They've got Jackson Bunkers coming yes. back next year. You got Austin Jensen, who's a sophomore there. Blaine Harpenau is your point guard there. So you got three guys right there to build around. And they are losing Braden Wick, Ricky, too, I should say, as well. So, so some of these other guys can step up. That, that, that's going to be the key there um, uh, and such. There's Carter Shorg, too. Carter Shorg was was having some decent games on the stretch too. And he's only a sophomore. So you've got four guys to build around right there. You need, you know, a couple of them to step up points wise. Jackson Bunkers is one I'm really looking at. Yeah, right there I am too. too. I think all those guys are good, but Jackson Bunkers, I'm really looking at next year. To, to, yeah. That, that, that could take a huge role. In this he's game. a really nice athlete. And I saw him make a nice defensive play at the state baseball tournament over the summer. He led uh, Remsen to a, uh, to state football with the win over at home. I don't remember against who off the top of my head. But, um, yeah, Bunkers is a really nice athlete, and I'm sure that translates over well to the basketball court, too. Yeah, and, you know, looking at the other team that made it there, West Sioux. Yeah, West Gosh, Sioux. Just, yep. It's, you know, they, they had everything set the last couple. Of, they finally got to state after disappointing end last year. They get there, and another disappointing end, and, and you know, but what these seniors have accomplished there is, is incredible uh, at Westview over the past few years, too. So um, a tough loss for them. Um, you know, it wasn't their best offense state. It seemed like uh, uh, the team they played, who I'm, I'm blanking on right now, North, Northland had a really good game plan to keep mm-hmm. after Bryce Kopic, And that, that seemed to be really key there. Uh, they really wanted to not have Bryce Kopic shoot. It seemed like they tried to keep the ball in his hands a little bit. Yep. And, and, and really tried to be physical inside with, with Hunter Deckers. So that, that, that's key right there. They really tried to take those out of their games and win the rebounding battle, and that's what Northland did. And I'm, I'm, I know I'm just saying that. That's not easy to do then. So you got to give Northland credit there for, for some of their defense that they had on, on West Sioux and, and really started to get going in that second quarter, and that, that kind of hurt West Sioux right there. The offense could never really get going against Northland's defense, which is – happened to Northland in the title game, they can never get going against Boyden Hall's defense. Right, right. And and for West Sioux to have the athletes that they did and fall fall in the quarterfinals, and yeah, the field was deep in 2A, going back to 2A, but you'd like to think that something could have come out of this West Sioux school year, falling short in the football season, falling short in the basketball season. Who the heck knows if we're going to have a baseball season? So, I... I I feel for the guys in Haywarden, and hopefully we can have a summer or even a spring. I don't think we'll have a spring season, but in the summer season, hopefully they can pull it all together and uh, have a have a really nice baseball season. 
Yeah, that'd be that'd be nice. Yeah, uh, they'll they'll still be good in baseball. I know from I know Hunter Decker's and Cade Lineout won't be on the baseball team this year due to commitments to Iowa State. Right. Um, so we'll see. But they still have plenty around there. Seth Salker's a very good baseball player too. Yeah, that, that's one guy that um, one of the Swedish styles is out there. So that's very good there too. So uh, looking at the Nebraska State tournament, um, shifting gears there, two state title teams there. Um, actually, let me quick touch on, on, on South Dakota. I was, I was able to talk to Jason Kleiss and, you know, in a time where there's not much optimism, he's got a lot of optimism right now. As he said, he doesn't think South Dakota would postpone the state tournaments. They would have, if they didn't have any intention to play them, because in that case, they just fought out canceling. Right. Someone else has canceled them. And do, does he know when? No. From what I've heard, there's rumors a decision could be made later this week. If the tournaments will be played um, anytime soon or in empty arenas or how it's all going to go, I, I, I can't answer that question. They could maybe delay it till May. Who knows? And Jason Clay said if that's the case, you know, they will pick up and play them when they need to play them. Dakota Valley will be ready. Um, Dakota Valley had a heck of a season um, getting there. They, they were going to be the five seed going into the state tournament. You know, after you lose Charlie Cox, you still have plenty of offense with Paul Bruns. Isaac Bruns really stepped up. Um, they, they had some really good ple- – Chase Montague is a heck of a point guard. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, Dakota Valley is kind of waiting out and see. Um, there's the no contact period right now at, in South Dakota because of no schools. So uh, we'll see how it kind of all goes for, for state basketball. But um, So we don't know. But Dakota Valley did qualify. Right now they play Crow Creek in the first round if it ever happens. So, so there you go. For South Dakota to kind of – waited out here i respect that decision but if they waited out till may will we see the same type of quality of basketball in may and no. don't get me wrong i love basketball but will we see the same type of quality in may as we would this no week? you won't it's just like you have a state track track and track and field meet you're not going to see the same times but you're still going to be playing out for a champion which is what everyone wants yeah. whether we get to do that we'll see no it's not gonna be the same quality basketball but I'm sure they'd rather play. I'm sure they'd rather get out there and play it than rather just you know having no champion this year. Absolutely, and and hopefully they'll get played. Um, I think the kids deserve those to get played, but we've seen student athletes from around the country who haven't been able to do that at both the high school and collegiate levels, and I feel for them. And and hopefully South Dakota doesn't get added to that list. And one more thing on Iowa too on that same tone, and I don't want to turn this into a coronavirus podcast, but I'm glad that Iowa played it out. I'm glad that, obviously, the wrestling tournament and the girls' basketball tournament wasn't completely affected by it. But for the boys' tournament to be completely played through, completely played out in the sense that it was, I think think it was handled correctly. Even on Friday with the limited crowds, yeah, I'm sure the Boys Athletic Association would have liked to have seen crowds uh, consistently throughout the week. And, of course, I've been saying, I was saying throughout the day on Friday at Wells Fargo that if Norwalk and, not Norwalk, but if Waukee and Ankeny did have, didn't have crowd restrictions, there probably would have been 5,000, 6,000 people there on Friday night. But the State Association saw what it had to do. It saw that the NBA was suspending its season. It saw that the college basketball season was basically on life support at that point. 
and they did they took the necessary precautions that they had to. I applaud Tom Keating for making that decision. Um, Todd Thorpe also, I'm sure, played a role in that decision. And was it an easy one? No, but I think it was the correct one. And I think the Iowa High School Sports Network deserves some credit for this, too, for making their product more readily accessible this season as, as it has been in last in past seasons so more people could watch either on broadcast television or on stream. And that, and I think that helped a lot, too, with putting as many eyes on the state basketball tournament, which there wasn't much going on Friday night. But to put as many eyes on it as possible was a good thing for the state, even though there weren't that many bodies in the arena itself. To the crowds that were there on Friday night, I, I applaud all ten of them. Yeah, all eight of them, sorry. Especially the ones from Sergeant Bluff and Boyden Hall. There wasn't much the crowds could do to, to fill the noise of the arena. That is a very, very difficult place to make as much noise as you can as an individual. You kind of need large groups to do that because it is an 11,000, 12,000 seat arena. But for the eight crowds that were there that night, I honestly, when I was watching the 2A and 3A games, I wasn't on the floor for the 1A game. I couldn't, I, I mean, I could tell a difference, but I could sense the noise and kind of, it kind of got a sense of normalcy to a weird situation. So to the eight crowds that were there on Friday night, I commend you for that. I applaud you for still having the opportunity to support your teams in the fashion that you did. And, and that, I, that doesn't go unnoticed for me. Let's talk about BRLD, which it seemed like they played very solidly on Saturday night. Um, kudos to the Lincoln Journal story for helping, helping us out with coverage there. Uh, the other Nebraska team helped me out here. I was kind of oh, in oh, Iowa uh, Laurel Concord. There you go. L- Laurel Concord Coleridge was, uh, was the other team. So you had Bancroft, Rosalie, Lions, Decatur, and Laurel Concord Coleridge were the two teams that came out with it. Um, Laurel Laurel Concord Coleridge. I mean, boy, I tell you what, the way they play that press defense, and the way they also adjusted in the second game in their semifinal game, where the press wasn't working against North Platte St. Patrick, and they got back in the half court defense. They weren't totally happy with how they played their half court defense in the first quarter. I thought it was one of their better quarters that they played defense actually, because you know there's only four field goals that St. Patrick made. And, LCC kept grinding it out, kept getting it there. They were being aggressive, getting to the line. They went to the, they attempted 40 free throws in the game against North Platte St. Uh, North Platte St. Patrick. So that really helped out there. Teams got in foul trouble in the fourth quarter. LCC really, it got cut down to four, but LCC got some nice shots from Noah Shutt. And for those that don't know Noah Shutt, I'll have a feature on him later. Uh, 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds in his career. He is looking at going to a GPAC school. Mm. Um, I've heard rumors of Mount Marty on that one. He he was pretty good out there. I mean, um, they really focused. He wasn't making, you know, he had some layups roll out in their quarterfinal game, but it didn't matter. They blew the, they, they, they were, their press defense. I can't remember who they played. They just, Paxton. They played Paxton in the first round and ran them out of that gym. I tell you what, they ran them out of that gym with that press. Paxton had no answer for it. Um, 
and 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 after that, in the next game, they switched to half court defense after the first, you know, midway through the first quarter and the second quarter, and it worked out great. So then you get to the championship game, and it never wasn't even a contest. They're, pre- um, I forget who they beat, but they that because they only scored thirty six points. It was, it was a running clock in the second half from LCC, who the the their press defense just gave them fits. So you know, everyone looks at Noah Shut for that team. You know, two thousand points, one thousand rebounds. I said Ty Irwin is a big part of what that team does in the press and offensively as their point guard. Um, you, you also have uh, Braden H um, out there. He can really drill some free pointers and get to the line. They've got a lot of good sharpshooters out there that are going to have to take on bigger roles with, with Irwin and, and shoot graduating, but they're a well-coached team. And, you know, to, to make it to the state for the first time as a co-op, they really played well down there. It's the first state title ever for that co-op, the first state title for any one of those programs since Laurel Concord won the state title in 2001. So uh, very, very impressive by Laurel Concord there. Um, Bancroft, Rosalie, Decatur, um, kind of one of the reasons I'm taking the lead because I saw them this season. They've got, they've got quite the one-two punch there um, with Lucas Voigt. And um, I'll have to look up the other guy's name. It's I'm, I'm just blanking on it right now. It's been, been that kind of a week, but – um, Lucas Boyd, that kind of I, month. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, BRLD uh, is the defending state champion, undefeated. They get to their semifinal game. They just played sluggish the whole time. They played sluggish the whole time. That semifinal, they, they pulled it out. But they turned it around their title game. They really played well in their title game, really turned it around, defeated uh, – Grand Island um, Central Catholic. I always want to say Cedar Catholic because of Hardington, but Grand Island Central Catholic. They they really dominated that. Um, held them to twenty eight percent in the first half, I believe, to take the lead. Um, Dylan Butler. Dylan Butler is the other one. That's you know those both guys averaged fifteen points. They both scored sixteen points in the title game. But when you look at Jackson Johnson, added eight points, and he is a force on the boards. He, he, he's a dude out there. When you see them, he's a dude. He's going to Wayne State next year, um, I was told. So uh, Will Gatzmeyer, who I believe is their quarterback and had a big year, he also is a key on their defensive end. Uh, um, and and Snyder, Darwin Snyder has been good for them too. Um, uh, he had a buzzer-beating three-pointer during, during a 10-0 run that gave BRLD a 31-13 halftime lead. He is good from three. So they've got – Everyone looks at Butler and Voigt, but this team has been well-rounded on the offensive and defensive end, and it showed in that title game. The only thing that really could stop them was themselves, and that's the way it was in the semifinal game. They weren't even playing close to their capabilities. Coach Corey Meyer said it in the story that was done. He was wondering what was going to happen in the title game. They came out strong. They came out poised, built an 18-point halftime lead, and just buzzsawed through Grand Island Cedar Catholic. Voigt and Butler are both juniors, so – we could see a three-peat out of BRLD next year. Yeah, and it seems like BRLD really took it to their opponents, and, and it seems like they have really nice players to kind of uh, come back and, and kind of create something of a, I want to say, a dynasty necessarily. But And then for LCC, it seemed like, like you said, the press defense, kind of like what Borden Hove did with their length, it seemed like LCC did the same thing. It will be interesting to see how BRLD makes up for the loss of Jackson Johnson. Uh, we'll get smart too, but Jackson Johnson's the big one there with his size right. and size, just how fluid he is there. I think he's going to have a, a pretty good time at, at Wayne State, maybe play right away. Yeah. Um, 
and and I will look at Ponca too. Uh, Carter Kingsbury finishes out a very good career. Form his dad's a former Hawkeye. He becomes the all-time leader in points scored at Ponca. You know they got knocked out in a double overtime game against UTAN, who UTAN then went on to play Grand Island Central Catholic and lost in three overtimes. Oh so my goodness! U UTAN played an extra game basically. So um, so you know another not, four years for Ponca. The last four years, two state titles, a third place finish, and a four straight trip to the state title. That's quite the job by Adam Pulaski at Ponca. Uh, Rudolph and Wayne also made it both lost in the first in their first round games as well so well good job Adam Nebraska and I'm sure those tournaments went off without a hitch as well you're listening to the SCJ Preps podcast here on SiouxCityJournal.com my name is Zach James he is Justin Rust as we are social distancing ourselves as we're uh, reviewing the basketball seasons at the high school level in Iowa Nebraska and South Dakota Let's move over to the girls' side now. We're on the Iowa side. We also had two state champions uh, in Class 1A and Class 3A. In Class 1A, Newell Fonda beat Algona Bishop Garrigan on a last-second shot by Megan Morenz to keep the long winning streak alive. I think it's at 54. And then in Class 3A, like we've talked about all hour long, about hour long this year, defense, defense, defense. And Bishop Elon certainly did that all the way to get to the Class 3A title for the Crusaders. Uh, what do you want to start off with? Let's start off with Elon since they're the yep. city team. Um, like we've talked about all season, that that one three one defense, that buzz 2-3 defense that Jeff Donaldson was talking to me about at the end of the season too. No matter what type of defense the Crusaders wanted to go with, as long as Katie Cook and Amber Asaf were at the forefront creating pressure problems for the opponent's guards and with Ella Skinner right there in the middle as well. And Caitlin Stanley. And Caitlin Stanley, Caitlin Stanley having a huge week as well. I, I really don't think anyone in 3A was going to challenge the Crusaders. And Keelan didn't really have many problems as long as her defense was clicking on all cylinders. And if I remember right, they weren't in foul trouble too many times either. No, and that's what Darren Kulstra has made this team about is, is their defense. And he's had the players to do it. He'll have some more next year too, it yep. sounds like. But, you know, having Stanley and Asaf running it up there with Katie Cook having a huge role in that, you know, I don't know who, who really matches that in that, in, in that 3A. And no one could. No one. You know, Helan's defense was, was at the forefront there. And I said going into the state title game, or into the game against Clear Lake in the semifinals. Healing, as good as their defense has been this season, it's the offense that hasn't always quite been there. Right. I said they needed to score at least 60 points if they were going to beat Clear Lake. Because as good as, as Healing's defense is, Clear Lake is, is good from three-point range. I didn't think they'd be as good as they were in that game. <laughs> no. Holy cow, they were historically great from what I understand. Um I, I, just the way Clear Lake had handled some other opponents, I just kind of figured they needed 60 points against Clear Lake, and they got it. 61. When they got that, yeah, they got 61 right on there. They got 61 points, more than Clear Lake. They did not let Clear Lake get over 60 points, which a lot of teams had trouble doing that with Clear Lake this season. So credit to the defense there again. And credit to them for bouncing back after Clear Lake was nailing some just difficult threes, some good threes, some a lot of threes, and 
and that didn't really bother Bishop Heelan. They kind of yep. went about their business there. And I, once they won that game, I, I did not have much doubt that they had won the state title. And I tell you what, in that state semifinal game, uh, Clear Lake, I think, had nine threes in that first first half or something like that. Yeah, and, I believe they had nine threes. And I was thinking, they may break a state record here after Waukee did earlier in the day. And it was just unbelievable to see Clear Lake hitting those threes. But you're right. Bishop Heelan didn't panic. They didn't stray away from their um, game plan, and and it showed. I mean, Heelan outscored the Lions twenty four to fourteen in the paint, twenty five to twelve in points off turnover, and the, in the second half they shot uh, twelve for twenty five. So um, a really nice job out of Heelan just sticking to the plan and and not going off of that plane and trying to panic and trying to do something that they weren't, that wasn't their identity. And they, and they went to the state championship game. And of course they beat North Polk 53, 46 in that state championship game too. That game that really, you know, it's seven point win, but they had a 17, five lead after the first Uh quarter. North Polk slowly came back, but it always just kind of felt like he would have the answer for any comeback and seven points. It felt like a bigger, Bigger one than seven points there. Yeah, North Pole's last lead was at 6.44 mark remaining in the first quarter. And after that, Heelan went on its tear. Uh, they laid by as many as 14 in the game. Yeah, North Polk did try and make a comeback in the second half. But they forced North Polk to 23 turnovers in that in the championship game. And Heelan converted to 24 points as opposed to North Polk's 10 points off turnovers. The paint game... Second chance game um, kind of was the same, but fast break. Heelan outscored the outscored North North Polk ten to two in that category as well. So um, and and it, yeah, yeah, it, it was an all all around performance. It wasn't just Skinner who led the Crusaders to the title. It wasn't just Stanley. It wasn't just Cook. It was everybody. Yeah, it was everyone. You know, it's it's quite the senior laden group that went there. I mean. Those those five seniors in the starting lineup: Katie Cook, Amber Asoff, Caitlin Stanley, Sydney Pratt, and Ella Skinner. I, I you know, I, I apologize, Sydney Pratt. I, I haven't mentioned her enough, but you know, she's really key to that defense. So you don't see her rack up a ton of points. Mm-hmm. You don't see her, but she's so crucial at defensive end. She she's good with the ball movement on the offensive end. You know, so you know those five seniors have really clicked, and this has been building for a bit. And and you know, it was huge. Ella Skinner got bettered outside mm-hmm. shooting this year. Katie Cook was a better scorer this year. So was Amber Asoff and Caitlin Stanley. And, you know, the thing was their defense was never going to waver. Nope. So they got the scoring they needed, you know, and, and that, that was the key there. Caitlin Stanley uh, – actually, Caitlin Stanley will be going to St. Thomas up in Minnesota, which is looking to move to the D1 yes. level. So you got Ella Skinner going to Wayne State, and you got Caitlin Stanley going to St. Thomas. So those are two good good moves right there, too. Amber Asoff's not going to play basketball in college. You know, she's only going to just run track at this place called Iowa. So, yeah. You know, so, you know, you got three athletes there. Katie Cook, I'm interested to see where she goes and, and, and such. Like I said, Sydney Pratt was a very big X factor. Those five seniors were huge for this team. And, you know, they're, they're going to leave, they leave quite the legacy at Helan now for what they did. Um, you know, the semifinals last year as well. So um, it'll be interesting to see what this next group does. But with, you know, led by uh, Kenlin Mice, who's a freshman. 
you have who she is an athlete i tell you what she's barry poe is saying the same thing so you're gonna build around her what do you get out of joseph verzales what do you get out of lauren peck so i mean there's some there's some key things to build around next year uh, if Mary Kay Fitzsimmons can do something, you know, Kayla Machalachek. So that's the next group right there, and we'll see how they kind of do. And so. there are athletes in that group that you just there mentioned, are. and and I I can see Helen get, get definitely getting back to maybe a regional final. Um, I think Cherokee would have to say something <laughs> about that. I think West Lyon has to say something about that. But yep. But uh, Helen is has a lot of good pieces coming back. Yes, they do lose a lot. They lose a lot, but um, there are some athletes coming back for the Crusaders that um, can can make it a competitive season not only in the Class Three A realm but also in the Missouri River Conference next year as well. Exactly, it really can, and it'll be interesting to see what they can do. And you know, uh, it'll be interesting to see what New Alfonda can do. Uh-huh. They don't lose too much. And- that, one player. That was an one player. One player. And that was a team that dominated all season until the final game when it came down to the very end, which at one point they had to make a miraculous comeback. And it was much different for New Alfonda this year compared to last year. And, and, and how crazy was that comeback to see it happen? I, I, I don't think I've ever told you this uh, off tape or on tape. I had started riding my gamer early in the fourth quarter thinking, okay, Jared Jim was going to win the game. I was going to word it so it was like, hey, the streak's over, but here's what New Fonda was capable of doing. Um, they'll come back next year and everything will be hunky-dory. I, 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 I'm just stunned. And, yeah, they kind of tripped away. Larson hit a couple – hit a big three. Macy Seavers – hit four big free throws. And maybe that was the turning point. And getting into foul trouble, getting Audie Crooks into foul trouble and and um, Garrigan's guards into foul trouble, that was a huge factor to him. And once they started doing that, once they started getting Crooks and uh, their other players into foul trouble, players like um, uh, Molly Joyce, I think. Molly Joyce did foul out. Kalen Myers also fouled out for um, Bishop Garrigan. Once it started to get that going, then the Mustangs started to turn it around, and they started to amp up the intensity a little bit, and that's where you saw the Mustangs start to be themselves and, and start to pull the trigger. But I'm, like I said before, I'm still stunned that the Mustangs were able to do this. Yeah, I think a lot of people are stunned. They did it the same way they've done all season, you know, team ball. They really got it working. They had a smart, smart, you know, they, they never gave up. They kept with it. They played smart in that fourth quarter, and that really got them back in it to, to, to get a miraculous win and back-to-back state titles for a team that is graduating Megan Morenz, who had a very good state tournament. <laughs> game winner. And Yep, and, and Kylie Robinson. Yeah, game winner from the senior to go out, and, and Kylie Robinson as well. Um, she did not play much, though, I will say. So, you you have both Seavers returning. You have both Walkers returning. Mary Walker and Maya Walker. You have Ella Larson returning next year. I'm sorry, there's three Walkers. Mary, Maya, and Maggie. Mm-hmm. I keep forgetting that. I keep forgetting that. Maggie and Mary are the ones that play. I'm going to take a guess that Maya is going to be a good player, too. Yeah, I'm so, guessing she is, So, that's, that's your starters right there. Um, like they, they, they have so much coming back. Um, I'm sure I'm missing someone. Ellie Lago. Um, she had a really nice state deal. tournament. So, 
Yeah, so you have a ton of players back last year that contributed to this the last two state titles, and they're, they're going to be the preseason number one. But man, I I would not be surprised to see Bishop Garrigan versus New Fonda for that state title again next nope, year. No, I wouldn't either. And the way that Audie Crooks, a freshman, a freshman, she was sixteen and twenty three. She had thirty four and seventeen in a state title game. And she absolutely dominated the first 18, 19 minutes of the game. And she's going to be a force to reckon with these next three years in, in Algona. And, and it's just unbelievable what she was able to do. And she got IBCA Class 1A Player of the Year, and, and rightly so. And she's – I agree with you. I think it is going to be Bishop Garrigan and Newell Fonda. And I tweeted this out, I think, during the championship game as well. Maybe earlier in the week, maybe I did. I would love to see this matchup in the Senos Classic next year. That would be absolutely amazing to see. Whether it happens, I don't know. Whether we're still quarantined, I don't know. But, um, yeah, this will be one AC championship next year, too. And who knows? Maybe Newell Fonda wins 26 more games. And extend their winning streak. I think that would put it to what? I'm doing quick math in my head, which is dangerous here. So that would be uh, 78 games. Yep. Correct. Is it 52 or 53? I thought it was 54. Streak? Oh, 54. Okay, so you had 26 more games. It's an even 80. Yeah. So yep. and that would be that would still not break Montezuma's streak, school, uh, state record streak, but it would come pretty dang close. And um. Maybe it becomes the longest streak in the Midwest. I know the longest current winning streak in the Midwest right now, I believe, is Lacrosse Aquinas that they didn't. Yeah, but it's 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 apples to oranges. Which state is which state? Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. It's it's, it's apples to oranges on that one because BRLD hasn't lost a game in two years for the boys, so it's it's kind of apples to oranges in that aspect. So, so Newell Fonda would be on the same line as BRLD, who won the state title, didn't lose again this year. So, so I mean, that, that's two teams with long winning streaks in there. Right. So. Yeah, yeah, which is absolutely astounding to see. I want to stay in the Iowa side for just one quick little second and talk about East. Yeah, they lost by 40 to Waukee, the eventual cross 5A runner-up. But for East just to get there, for East to turn out the way that they did crowd-wise and, and, and performance-wise, and like I said in my column last Monday, I think let's start plants the seed for something that can that East can help grow and and of course the state tournament bid is, is something that you can build off of and I certainly think even with East losing what it is I think the younger East girls learn something from that Waukee game and can build forward off of that. I will say I don't know how ready they were for Waukee in that game. I think everything I know they said that they worked in the practice about it. I think. The same team that played Dowling did not carry over no, Waukee. That's something well that, that they one. need to learn. That's something they need to learn because, you know, they're, you're losing a lot from this year. Nia Dew is a big piece to lose. Kennedy McCloy, um, Caitlin Tucker. Um, so it's going to – a lot will fall in like a Taylor Drenth and stuff. And mm-hmm. it's going to be exactly what Coach Bryant Drenth said. They have to put in the work yes. in the offseason. This can't be a one-year deal. This has to be the start of something. It can't be a one-year thing. So this, it'll be interesting to see if East can build off this now, like, like Coach Trent wants. And and so. I, I hate going back to the four-week uh, dead period that we're in right now. 
but maybe East can kind of use this opportunity to kind of get in. Maybe if they have their own weights at home, maybe if, if they have their own basketball hoops at home, go outside and shoot. And that goes for all kids, not just East kids. But go out and use this four-week prep period to make yourself better. Just don't sit in front of your Xbox Ones or PS4s and play video games. You can surely do that in, in this time. But go outside and, and make yourself better, too. And I, ho- I hope everyone does that, not just East kids. And I will touch on uh, Galen Catholic as well. Um, Galen Catholic, they give Mark Catholic a, a good run in that first-round game. Um, uh, before Bishop Garrigan absolutely just slaughtered Marquette Catholic in the next round. But Galen Catholic hung with them. That's a team that yep. came on late, and they do lose Addison Weber. They do have some, some talent back, uh, and I do expect to see a good a good Galen Catholic team. I, I think it's um, – I'm trying to remember her name off the top of my head, and I'm I'm blanking right now with who Galen Catholic has is that – I think – I believe she's a sophomore or junior. But they do lose Addison Weber, the first ever 1,000-point score in programs history. She had a really good year this year. Um, uh, so did Sydney Livermore, but they do have Lauren Hain back. That's what I'm saying. Lauren Hain is back next year. Uh, she is a sophomore, a uh, very talented sophomore. She's going to be kind of the one you build around there. Um, even though Galen does, does lose a lot too. Uh-huh. Uh, they have Rachel Langle back too, but I believe Kate Hill's also a senior. So you do lose Livermore, Addison Weber, and, Kate Hill, three talented seniors, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what they can build around Hayne and, and Langle. Yeah, I was year. impressed by how Hayne played in the state tournament. Um, she's a really nice – she finds ways to find ways to score Langle as well. So I'm, I'm kind of eager to see how they can build off of this season as well and just – I don't know if they can make it back to a state tournament because I think the 1A field up here is going to be just as tough as it was, but if not a little bit tougher – but Galen, like East, can prove that with the right girls and with the right things in place, they can make a deep run too. And Western Christian, you look at what they did. Uh, a down-to-the-wire game against North Lynn in, in the first round, and they lost. And all that sounds like, oh, well, first round loss. North Lynn went on to beat West Hancock by 15, uh-huh. then beat Osage by 26 points in the state title game. Western Christian almost knocked off the eventual state champion mm-hmm. in the first round with the way they played defense. You know, 61 and 66 points after, Western Christian's defense gave Northland's offense fits, which is hard to do. They just couldn't get the offense they needed in there and just, just fell a little short. And it's a team that was senior laden with McKenna Coima, uh, Olivia Granstra, Ali Postma, Abby Postma. Uh, Courtney Colas is another key senior off the bench for them. Um, you have Madison Viss. You have McKay Vant Hall. So they're a pretty senior-laden team. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what they can do next year. Uh, Sienna Moss was their is their top leading scorer back, who had twenty, who had two point two points per game, fifty three points this season. So she's their top one back this season. But Western Christian's got a good tradition and a good coach in place. So so we'll see what happens with them in the offseason. Yeah, and and like you like you just reeled off those names there girls who have had really nice careers at Western Christian, especially at, on the volleyball level, at the track level, um, even on the softball stage to, to some extent, soccer um, as well. So um, really nice job out, out of those Western Christian ladies to just add another accolade to their resumes and get to the state tournament, which, <laughs> their, which their field wasn't 
really easy to get through either. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. So, um, we'll see what you know all the two A field looks like next year. So there's a lot of jumbling going on. So we'll see. We'll see what who comes out of that two A field from from Northwest Iowa next yep. year. Yep. On the Nebraska side, it seemed like there were some successful teams over there too. Yeah, Ponca reaching the state title game. Um, you know, their first it was kind of interesting. Their first round game, uh, they only scored six points in the first quarter, but had a four point lead. No one could hit any buckets. His defense laden game. Casey Day kind of led the charge there. She's a very talented senior. Um, but yeah, that got Ponca to the state title game. They fell in the state title game. Um, really well coached team by by Bob Hayes. Really led by their defense. I really like the play, the way they played. Um, and such, uh, Bob Hayes has been there for a number of years, and I finally got to meet him. He's he's an outstanding coach, and just see that way that team played based on defense, and that's what got him that title game. And I'm blanking on who they played in that title game, um, but they really they really came a long way. They they really God, that just was an ugly first quarter. But you're just like, man, if someone can get some offense, and then Casey Day really did that for them. Um, they, they, they really, they really, did, she really did that for them. She's, she's a quality senior that they had in there. Um, and then they went on to beat Oakland Craig, 23 free throws to knock off top seeded Oakland Craig. Uh, that, that was huge right there in, in that aspect. And I, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm just having trouble with the Nebraska website. I just, I just hate their website so much. Uh, Nebraska Sports Association, you need you need to do something with your website. I'm I'm just sick of it. There's there's some really good things they do, but their website's just so clunky. I just I just don't like their websites. I'm just gonna flat out say it right here on there. I just don't like their website. Um, it's it's hard to get scores. It's hard to get. I I don't know. I'm just not. It, it's 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 a jumbled mess. Uh, it was Hastings St. Cecilia got him by four points. Uh, Hastings St. Cecilia kind of controlled that fourth quarter, if I remember correctly, from the story. So uh, Ponca, the four seed, getting there. At one point, I thought it was going to be a, a Ponca-Crofton uh, championship game after Ponca knocked off Oakland Craig. But Hastings St. Cecilia just got Crofton in a tight game, 62-60. to 60. Uh, Aaron Lozing sing went to the third-place game and, and throttled Oakland Craig for an 18-point victory. You're showing how dominant Aaron Losing's teams are. Um, but, you know, they finished third. Ponca finished second. Uh, Crofton actually beat Bancroft, Rosalie, Lyons, Decatur in the first round. Um, they, they really controlled that game. Got off to a huge lead early, 17-2 if I'm remembering correctly. And uh, that's the first ever state tournament for Bancroft, Rosalie, Lyons, Decatur. But they got some talent coming back. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do uh, next year after their first state tournament appearance. Uh, in that aspect. So Ponca making the title game, falling to Hastings St. Cecilia there in class C2. Um, so uh, I'm looking at D1. Why not winning the state title? Another state title for why not? This was in D2, I believe, if I'm thinking correctly. Um, why not winning another state title? All they've done under Steve Weasler is win, win, win there. And they did, they did it again, um, you know, controlling their first-round game, they only scored 37 points in the semifinal, but held Sacred Heart to 27, win by 10. Then they play St. Francis in the title game and get that one, 59-51. So another state championship for why not. Um, 
all they've been doing is winning in that part of the state. Uh, and have to touch on what happened in D1 and Hardington Cedar Catholic pulling off the huge upset of the top seeded Weeping Water, 54 to 49, getting that win there. They lost in the semifinals to Archbishop Garrigan, who lost to Pleasanton in the title game. Uh, Cedar Catholic ended up finishing fourth. Pender losing their first round game by Pleasanton by 10. That was a close game in the third quarter, and Pleasanton kind of pulled away in the fourth in that one. So, But, yeah, Ponca having a nice state tournament again. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do without Casey Day next year. Yeah. Croft and I expect him to be really good again. Yeah, it sounds like we'll have a lot to talk about Nebraska-wise next year too, which is promising to see. Yeah, definitely. It should. I mean, Crofton's a team you always talk about. But yeah, I'm interested to see what Ponka does there. Bob Hayes has done a really good job there. You know, why not? We'll be a team that that that, that impresses us always. So, all right, good enough. Well, that's your basketball podcast for in review for the SCJ Preps podcast. Uh, later on, we'll talk about wrestling and uh, we'll talk about this coronavirus that's going on around here too. But in the meantime, we thank you for listening to the basketball edition of the SCJ Preps podcast here on SiouxCityJournal.com. To go over and to review what had transpired over the, over these last couple weeks in Nebraska, Iowa, and South Dakota, make sure to check out SiouxCityJournal.com to read past stories, watch some videos, and uh, listen to past podcasts as well to kill some time as well. For Sports Editor Justin Russ, this is Assistant Sports Editor Zach James. 